what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings who continue to tune in every single week. I say you guys are the outliers of the world, <clears throat> uh, the anti-status quo, the critical thinking, the artist, the you know the entrepreneur, the CEO, the innovator, the creator. Why I say this is because you're constantly pushing your own boundaries and challenging the status quo, challenging what has been taught to you uh, maybe by society and doing more of what resonates with your soul. And, you know, maybe you're misunderstood. Maybe, you know, people look at you like, why would you do that differently than this? It's always been done that way. Well, the good news is, as you're listening to yourself, I get you. You're not misunderstood here. My guests get you. Uh, you know, we're all on this journey together and we're all on this journey in our own individual unique path at the same time. So uh, for a lot of the new people tuning in, I, I really love and appreciate all the new listeners. Um, just a you know, quick background. I'm Matt Gottesman. I'm your host. You can uh, reach out to me at Matt Gottesman on Instagram. I, I answer each and every single text, DM, reply, response. Been doing so for about eight years. So feel free. It's me managing the account. Uh, and also I always tell the new people, the new listeners, like we don't glamorize or glorify success and we don't, um, you know, look at, uh, individuals, um, all of these quote unquote successful things that maybe are going on in their lives per se. Um, instead we talk about the journey and why do we do that? Because, um, you know, success is a very arbitrary word and every individual has to define it for themselves. It is not a metric or a title or a physical tangible thing that you know sometimes the world places on us it is an an inner job an inside job um that just happens to have impact on the outside world right in my opinion at least but you can define success any way you'd like uh so i'm really grateful for you guys thank you for all of the feedback and we have another incredible uh um episode today and we're gonna be talking about forgiveness this is a very 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 um, important topic in my opinion. And I was having a really great discussion, uh, I think within the last week or two. And have you ever been in an argument with somebody, um, or you've been upset in the moment and then the other person apologized? And obviously the best apology is change behavior. And of course that takes time. But if we forgive, we allow that incident to be isolated in that moment of time and we don't carry it with us. And when we don't carry it with us, we're allowed to grow within ourselves and with the person maybe that we made the mistake with, right? And so the beauty in that is, um, you know, that we're able to uh, like release versus carry. And sometimes if we carry, we end up harboring other emotions, other things inside of us that really end up um, hurting us more than anything else. So. With that being said, I've got an incredible guest. He is a, a spiritual mentor, uh, a good friend, uh, an amazing human being, an amazing soul, Rabbi Alush, uh, Rabbi Pinchas Alush. He's been um, on the show before, founding rabbi of one of the most vibrant, fastest growing synagogues in the United States, Congregation Beth Tefillah, uh, here in Scottsdale, Arizona. He is here in the studio. Uh, he resides here as well with his wife, Esther, amazing wife, Esther, and his amazing nine children. 
uh, they're gifted 10 amazing 10 children sorry <laughs> he's got a new one each each, each each year he's got a new one um but very recognized rabbinic figure um and respected author of numerous literary works and a gifted public speaker uh he has been on the show before so i definitely want you guys to check that out um besides the academic pedigree he's a richly cultural has lived in france where he was born oh, he was born in south africa um born, born in france born in france lived in south africa um and israel Mm-hmm. and fluent in English, Hebrew, French, and Italian. Any new languages since I last? No, okay. <laughs> no, no new kids. That's hard to keep up with. Okay. But no new languages. Uh, he's a member of APAX uh, National Council and member of the Orthodox Rabbinic Council of Arizona, tremendously involved in the Jewish community of Greater Phoenix, teaches middle school, middle, middle school Judaic, the Pardes uh, Jewish school, day school, um, prolific blogger for the Huffington Post. He's very, he's very, he's in here like, yeah, let's just get on with it. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you so much for being here, Rabbi. No, really of course. Thank you, Matt. It's such a pleasure being with you again. Yeah. Right. And, and, and last time, you know, we, we spoke about your background and then we went yeah. into a couple of topics. But today we're going to talk about forgiveness. It's a very beautiful time of the year, you know, within the, the culture of Judaism. But in, in general, forgiveness as a whole, every single day really of the year is a good day for forgiveness. But um, I would love for you, you, we can dive in really anywhere. Um, you know, I, I was thinking of how forgiveness is surrendering and letting go um, versus the ego and holding on. Mm-hmm. But when, how do you educate people on, on forgiveness? Because it's a tough topic for it a is. lot of people. Because even when we know somebody um, is sorry, and yeah, they even may show it in their actions. They should especially show it in their actions because mm-hmm. changed behavior is the greatest apology of all, really. Right. But sometimes our ego wants to hold on to things. Mm-hmm. So right. Yeah. Right. So look, um, in general, and we'll get we'll get into it. Yeah. But in general, I think there are two very important ideas to keep in mind. One is um, really relates to me versus the other, mm-hmm. and the other one I think relates also to the other versus me. What I mean by that is that the first one, me towards the other, is that I think it's important to keep in mind that as much as we think we know the other, we do not. Mm. There are many, many layers to every human being. You know, the Hebrew word for face in Hebrew is in the plural tense, panim. There is no word for one face in Hebrew. And that is because we have many faces. Mm-hmm. The face I have with my spouse is not the same face I have with my children. face I have with my children is not the same face I have with my colleagues and so on and so forth. So there are many, many layers to each and every human being. Sometimes, yes, people hurt us. But we only look at the hurt. We only look at, at the insult. And that's why we in turn are hurt. If we were able to look at the entire context at the many layers, Mm -hmm. maybe we would understand the person better and forgive them more easily. So that's one big idea to keep in mind, and we can develop it, of course, over the course of this conversation. But I think the second other big idea is the other versus me or the other versus us. And that means to say that, look, at the end of the day, hatred hurts the hater the most. And resentment hurts the person that keeps that resentment inside the most. To, to walk around with grudges is as toxic as it gets. Mm. So even if the other hurt me, I have the choice to make. Am I going to keep that grudge within? Or, as you said before, am I going to let it go? The minute I decide to let it go, that's when I can liberate myself mm. and accept 
a new reality, a reality of true freedom. You know, there's a great story, if, if I may go into Please. it, about two monks. It's not a Jewish story. I think it's a Buddhist story. But about two monks who were walking in the Tibetan mountains, and um, you know, monks can't speak, nor can they come into physical contact with people. And <clears throat> these two monks, as they are hiking these mountains, they see a little girl trying to cross a river, but she's too small. So one of the monks says to himself, I'm going to break the rule just to help this girl. I'm going to carry this girl from one end of the river to the other and help, it, help her cross it. And he does just that. His friend, the other monk, looks at him and he wants to say something because he's noticing his friend breaking the rule. How dare he touches a, another human being? But he can't. He can't speak. And for three days, he's carrying this, this toxicity mm. towards his friend. After three days, he just can't take it anymore. He tells, to, he tells his friend, look, remember three days ago, we, we were at this river and you broke the rule. You picked up this girl and you crossed the river with her. And, and how dare you break this rule? And his friend says, you know what? You're right. I broke a rule. But you broke a rule too. He says to him, what rule did I break? I didn't touch that girl. And his friend says, no, 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 no. Let's go back to what happened three days ago. Three days ago, indeed, I saw this girl trapped, and I helped her cross the river. Once I crossed the river with her, I dropped her off. You, on the other hand, obviously still carrying her. (laughs) (laughs) Carrying, of course, emotionally, mentally. That's breaking a rule. Indeed, it is breaking the rule of life. It makes us toxic. And not only that, but it, it shackles us. Mm-hmm. instead of enabling us to truly live the moment mm-hmm. and, and, and living life fully as it is supposed to be lived. Mm. You know, uh, <laughs> I love, I love, because, and I was thinking, even, even as he's carrying it for three days, you know, metaphorically, um, he's also not forgiving throughout those three days. He's upset those three days. So he's right. carrying that on, you know, on top of that and isn't forgiveness part of, you know, well, really any spiritual way, right? right. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. so it's interesting how, how much, again, when we hold on to it, um, it stays in us. And I, I feel like um, we build up a different narrative in our head um, when we hang on to things. And, you know, everybody talks about being present mm-hmm. and, you know, and I say that the, the, the realest thing you can do in being present is, is understanding exactly what is happening in the moment, but being, but honoring that moment to just that moment and then moving to the next. Right. But we so often as humans, souls having human experiences, but the mm-hmm. humans in us, um, hangs on to things, right. you know? And I think that the ego is just, um, uh, you know, is our trainer. <laughs> right. 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 It's so true. You know? It's very true. And, but, but, you know, I, I, as you mentioned, I was raised in South Africa. Yeah. And I recall how Nelson Mandela, after suffering for 27 years at Robbins Island in complete solitude mm-hmm. uh, for, for really under torturous conditions, came out and he forgave the people, the very yeah. people who tortured him. Yeah. And I asked him, how can you forgive so quickly? And he was there with a big smile on his face, <laughs> an earnest smile on uh-huh. his face, forgiving. How can you forgive so quickly and so joyfully? And I remember his quote. This was as soon as he came out of jail in February 4th, 1991. I still remember the date. He said to the journalist, well, resentment is like drinking poison. 
and hoping that your enemy dies from it. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So, yeah. Um, and uh, that in the, well, and he, you know, he talked a lot about um, forgiveness and what what he thought about while sitting in that for you know twenty seven years. Right. And um, I, interestingly enough, I think it's because again we hold on to things as punishment. We think we're being punished. Right. No, we're punishing ourselves by right. holding on to it. Right. And the interesting, I I always ask people to say, I'm like, would you have thought to make a change without the incident? being revealed to you or or a mistake happening or something like that mm -hmm. you might not have i was like isn't it wonderful the contrast we sometimes live in often live in where i am this i'm presented with the opposite or a mistake happened within the opposite oh how do i then solidify more of my of what i already am of of the light of the love mm -hmm. how i when that opposite is presented right and so you know, um, forgiveness allows us to actually solidify the core even more. Right. Otherwise, we're moving the opposite direction. Right. 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 I think that's very, very well said. That's correct. You know, I'll, I'll add another dimension to it, but um, it might be a tool that helps us forgive and indeed to, to let go of this toxicity. But I, I unfortunately, as a rabbi, I attend many, many funerals. Mm. And it's quite amazing to me because... At every funeral I've been to thus far, I've only heard praises and eulogies that include so many compliments about the deceased. And I always ask myself, what happened to all the crooks of the world? Are they just, do they just disappear? Or do people change when they die? You know, we hear, while people are alive, we hear, oh, this guy's a crook, this guy's a liar, this guy's terrible, this guy you don't want to have anything to do with. What happened to all those people? They just don't die? Or, or, or do they change when they die? How come we only hear good eulogies? And I, I think that the conclusion is very simple. No, people don't change when they die. You know what happens? We change when people mm -hmm. die. Mm -hmm. When people die, we start looking at the big picture of the mm -hmm. other. And that big picture shows us the good aspects of the other. And then we're able to relate to those good aspects too. Unfortunately, it's, it's a little bit too late then. And I long for the day in which beloved husband slash brother slash father slash mother slash sister slash daughter and son will not just be posthumous adjectives, but, but will also be present day living adjectives where I can look at the other and say, fine, I understand you have faults, but I'm looking at the big picture as I would do at your funeral. And therefore, you are beloved because I see some good points there. I see some light, even within darkness. Mm. Why do people struggle with that? And like you said, the ego. I think people have, um, have um, the ego blocking them, blocking their soul, or maybe blinding their vision of life. That's one reason. I think the other reason is also because um, we're immature. Mm. And what I mean by that is that, what, how would you define immature? Immature is a person that makes the important trivial. Oof. That's my definition of immature. If you make the important trivial, and moreover, the trivial important, you're immature. Now, when we are hurt and keep that hurt inside of us, we're being immature. Why? Because we are making that 
that trivial thing so important? There's so much more to life than that little insult. There's so, even if it's not little, even if it's a big insult, but there's so much more to life. Make life important. Make your life goals important. Make your life purpose important. Make the beauty in other importance, important. Make the beauty in you important. But unfortunately, we're being immature. I heard so. I love that. Make the important. We make the important trivial, and we make right. the trivial important. Right. Um, and uh, I understand that on many levels. Like, and and, and um, I think I tell people you can see it when you get tripped up on something. That why are you spending so much time and energy on it? And where does it end up bleeding over and everything else? Whether it be in your personal relationship or your job or your you know your work, um, we we take inputs in. And we end up sometimes um, uh, making them more complex than we need to, right? right. And uh, I, was, I, I was having a great conversation a couple of weeks ago about um, a lot of times we spend a lot of times on these trivial things, making them important. Oh, I've got this trigger. I've got this emotion. I got, and it's, I, I say that it's great to understand emotions. It's, we, we should understand our emotions. We should understand who we are. Right. But I was challenged um, in a good way where I was told instead of constantly nitpicking all the different things within you and trying to always understand them at the source and why this is happening, why that's happening and, you know, and all these things, maybe if you focus on one thing, your heart, and if you focus on your heart, which is connected with your intuition, you know innately the truth, like to make the decision mm. that is most important. Right without making it trivial and if I'm relating to mm -hmm. you without making it mm -hmm. trivial, it will solve right. all of the other things versus us trying to solve like, oh, okay, this is an area of me that, you know, is really hard. And now I learned this new layer. And now I learned this new layer. We start right. to spiral out of control. Right. And that sometimes also blocks us as well because like right. to unveil a lot of our, our things sometimes right. <laughs> so it really also serves the ego in a way. Right. And I love that idea of how about instead if you just try to solve the relationship with your heart in which you're constantly leading from your heart, mm -hmm. which is really your truth, the intuition. Right. Um, you know, and that tends to, because then we're no longer a victim of, of outcomes and situations or, or angry or bitter, all this other stuff. We're constantly moving in the direction of which the heart makes its decisions. Mm -hmm. So we're not, um, I'm not holding on to anything with you. I have no expectations of you. I have no outcomes that I expect of you. No matter what happens, you know, I only wish you well. I'm just, I'm solidified in my core of how I'm making decisions. Right. Um, and that's solving any of the other areas that it could potentially be blocking me in the exact process. Right, right. right? No, that, that's beautifully said. I think that you, you climbed right to the top of that <laughs> priority list. That is indeed the most important. To, to look inwards and to connect yourself with your deeper self and with the purpose that your deeper self has. You know, uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking of, of this great Jewish question of why is it that when adults fight, uh, they could not be speaking thereafter for a day, mm. for a month, for mm. a year, some people for 20 years. But when children fight, after five minutes, they're best <laughs> friends again. Why is, why is that? And the answer is because children prefer being happy over being right. Mm. Adults prefer being right over being happy. Now, if you think about this answer a little deeper, you'll get to what you were saying. And that is that deep within, we want to be happy. So why are you being so stubborn <laughs> and trying 
trying everything in your power to be right when your soul wants to be happy. Be, mm. a, be like a child in that sense. Mm. I like that. We're try, uh, happy versus right. Right. I, uh, I was told something. Um, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was a rabbi or a spiritual mentor or what. Um, would you rather be right or righteous? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I think it was actually in the book Garden of Peace. Oh yes, yes. It's a, it's a rough, rough book. Rough, if rough any of the men, the, any of the men listening, it's uh, your relationship with yourself and relationship potentially with your your spouse, your mate. Uh, whew. Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful on that one, gentlemen. <laughs> but um, that's a good question, though. You know, but and and it's this idea. Well, and here's you know, it, well, in the context of the book, is that sometimes even in an argument. Even if it's irrational, it's teaching you something beyond what you automatically want to respond with. Right. And so if we can remove the emotional trauma or whatever that's like wants to strike back with anger and wrath and all this other stuff and go, what is this showing me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is this showing me? Right. I want to understand. Right. And um, there's a part in the book. It was great. It was if I'm trying to I'm trying to paraphrase a little bit, but it was saying how um, the the relationship like in in couples, especially like if when a when a, a woman is upset, and um, it in in the physical world terms comes out as like this seems like irrational, right? It's an irrational. It's an emotion. It's irrational. Um, and that uh, I like how the book the author says, if it were rational, would man get the point? <laughs> because he'd be told the point. Right. Right. You have to learn the point. Right. So sometimes the, the beauty of um, in the relationship, uh, it says God works through women to get to the man's soul. Mm-hmm. It says, what's the reflection? What are you missing? Either outside of the home, maybe in your business dealings or in life or whatever. Or what are you missing inside of the home? Mm-hmm. Ground yourself in asking, what is this teaching me? Right. And so um, and then forgiveness, I believe, co- becomes much easier because we're not taking it fully to i, I want to say to heart because it's really we're not taking it to ego mm-hmm. we're actually using our heart it's funny right. we use that expression take it to heart but well we want to take it if we take it to heart then we're actually using it and the heart is always honest and loving right so um yeah so i i, I learned do you want to be right or do you want to be righteous right and that it's not really ever really about being um right and hammering home you know uh, a point even if you even if you are right okay Right. But are you trying to win a prize? Right. Because happiness is the, is the ultimate goal. And also, people are going to make mistakes. Right. And we don't need to hammer it more into them when they're making a mistake. Right. Right. No, well said. I think, I think this touches also upon a deeper idea that, that is worth thinking about, too. But I'll illustrate this idea through my favorite biblical character, who's Joseph. Mm-hmm. Now, Joseph was, to remind our listeners here, he was thrown into a pit by his brothers who tried to assassinate him by doing so. This pit was full of serpents and scorpions. And at the last second, they pulled him out of the pit and sold him into slavery. Now, imagine that was you. (laughs) Right. I imagine (laughs) if it was me, I would be livid at my brothers. And it would be very, very hard for me to let go of that resentment. But what does Joseph do? He's sold into slavery. And there, by the way, it goes downwards. He's accused of rape. He's an innocent man accused of rape. 
he's thrown into a dungeon for years and years. Now, this was an, an Egyptian dungeon, right? Mm -hmm. and, and unlike any other prison I think I know. And, and thereafter, miraculously, he's appointed as the vice king. Now, as he's serving as the vice king of, of Egypt, his brothers come to ask for food because there was famine in Israel mm -hmm. where they came from. He recognizes them. They don't recognize him. At one point, to make the very long story short, he reveals himself to them. And he says to them, I am Joseph, your brother that you sold into slavery. Immediately the brothers take a step back and they are full of fear. And they say to themselves, well, maybe Joseph Nye is going to take his revenge. He's all-powerful. And Joseph responds to them at that moment saying, don't be afraid. In Hebrew, I'll teach Rao. Why? Because you think you sold me to slavery? No, 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 no. You did not sell me into slavery. I was sent here. Now, it's a powerful verse Very. because there are two ways to view your life. You can view your life as if you were a victim, as if you were sold. But you know what is sold? Chairs, tables. This microphone is sold. Or you can view your life as being sent as a person on a mission, on a divine mission, mm -hmm. to accomplish something that is greater than yourself. Now, when we are hurt, we are being victims. Oh, you hurt me. It's not right. But that victimhood will in inevitably stop you from becoming that vice king. Mm -hmm. When you are able to say to yourself, I let go. Someone hurt me, but I'm not choosing to be a victim. I'm choosing to be a nemissary of God. Someone that was sent to this moment. This hurt that I may be perceiving as a hurt is really a message from God, as you were saying before. And I just have to understand what the message is to better fulfill my mission. Then you are not just being a you're not you're not being a victim, but quite the opposite. You being a person that is determined to fulfill his divine mission, his mm -hmm. divine purpose. And that I think ensures that your life is so much more meaningful and also so much less toxic mm -hmm. and so much happier. Yeah, I love that I'm being sent. I, I've also thrown in there, I'm being protected. Hmm. And there were doors I was constantly trying to get into, or there were places I already was inside. And, uh, and I said this on a live yesterday, and then out of nowhere, thank you, you're done here, and you're tossed out into the street, hmm. even after doing everything right. Hmm. So the question I went in, inward with was, why? Hmm. I don't understand. And it is easy at, at a given moment to feel hurt and betrayal right. and, you know, all of the emotions that come in. And if you're patient enough, long term wise, you right. begin to see the dots connect and everything unfold. And I had found that when we apply human emotion to decision making and not necessarily our heart and our intuition, we will sometimes force outcomes force things that we want force you know areas to stay within the works right mm -hmm. but the mission may be like you're done here right you're done this was only for this amount of time right and i always kind of picture this relationship with god like i love you but you're not leaving so this is gonna hurt a little bit i'm going to pull you out of this and unfortunately on the outside external world it's going to lurk a certain way but 
you, I'm protecting you. Not, right. I'm I'm pushing you forward in your mission. As you said, I'm being sent. Right. And if you don't go on your own terms, I have to make something happen. You know, they're not. You know, and some people, I, I get where some people can say, well, you know, it's your action or your soul, your your soul doing the work for you. And so he's like, you know, kind of that relationship coming in of saying, hey, you're we're, we're sent on this mission. So um, well, I'm going to divert you here, you know. Right. And if you take a moment afterwards to dissect the diversion, it was a promotion. Very good. Right. And, and by the way, yes, you're right. I'm going back to Joseph, that this encounter where he revealed himself to his brothers happened 22 years after he was sold into slavery. (laughs) Imagine waiting 22 years to connect the dots. Mm. Yet he was able to. Oh, Mm. he understood then. Oh, that's why I was sold, so Mm. that I can provide, so that I can become the vice king. Let me relate it to Nelson Mandela. So with, um, but with Joseph's brothers, there was also some, um, some, some relief on their side. They felt so bad. Right. For what they had done, they carried right. for 22 years guilt right. of what they had done. Right. So Nelson right. Mandela told them, the people, they have already been feeling guilty about what they did to me for 27 years. Right. right. I'm not here to punish them. Right. I'm here to demonstrate and lead by example of, you know, of freedom. Right. Right. That's so true. If I preach freedom, I must behave like freedom. Right. Otherwise... Right. I'm only I'm only polarizing the people even more and saying, how dare you have done this to me? Right. Thank you for doing this, for promoting me. Now, that was a long stretch, 27 years, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that's where patience and right. Um, faith. Right. And uh, right. right. And um, constantly having that right. inner relationship with our soul. Right. And look, and it's important to note that sometimes we won't be I mean, I hate to be so so pessimistic (laughs) but sometimes we won't be able to connect the dots right and that's just fine because i i don't want to give the impression as if oh once you connect the dots that's when you'll be able to let go no that that wasn't the case Mm -hmm. joseph let go immediately yeah and he was lucky enough after 22 years nonetheless to connect the dots i think once you learn to let go and once you learn to submerge yourself in that divine flow of you're on a mission Mm -hmm. You, 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 there's, there's a purpose for you right there and then, then, then things happen almost automatically. I don't think it's pessimistic at all. I actually think it's very freeing and liberating because instead of um, attaching yourself to, uh, if I'm constantly searching to connect the dots, right. I may not connect the dots. Right. But very if I'm also. living my life in the present and living from moment to moment, the yeah. dots naturally connect. Very good. Very well said. <laughs> right? Very, so, very well so said. So I don't right. think it was pessimistic at all. Right. I think okay. it's, it's actually uh, rational optimism. <laughs> there you I, go. I've been using that term lately. I'm like, somebody asked me, I'm like, I'm a rational optimist. <laughs> like, I love what, that. what do you mean? I was like, well, I'm very optimistic, but I also know how humans behave. And I also know what I'm responsible for in my own behavior. And I'm very rational about the choices I make because I'm, I sit with myself to understand why I'm making them. Right. Right? Right. No, so. I like that term. I might steal it from. Please, please use it in one of the, uh, you know. That's great. Just shout out the podcast. Like, for all of my congregants. <laughs> That's it. I'll quote you. Don't worry. Uh, no, but yeah. it, and, um, you know, uh, it's funny. I was always thinking of the, uh, in more recent years, oh, now I get it. The true self sets you free. Right. Your heart shall set you free. And where do we have our truth? In our heart. 
Right. Um, and I, I, I've talked about this, I think, on previous podcasts, and, and um, it's just come up in general with a lot of people. My heart is hurt. I'm like, your ego is hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The heart doesn't get hurt. Right. I'm like, you've been told the heart gets hurt. Right. You know, um, maybe physically it can happen out of um, the manifestation of an inner, you know, right. holding on to things. So I was like, but the heart is your truth. Right. So your ego is getting hurt right. because your heart is able to have conversations your ego can never like, right. survive. Right. Basically out of. Right. So sort of like love is not lovey dovey. Love is honestly, hey, I'm feeling this or hey. I don't, I've even related to people even in business that said, you know what, I, I don't know if we're a right fit for, for working together, but I love what you're trying to do. And I just don't think that we'll be able to do it in the way that makes the most sense for you of, of the way you want it done. <clears throat> and I want to make sure to honor and respect you and get you in the direction that is most intended for you with whoever it might be to do that. And so we're going to do the same thing for mm. what we do. Now, what are we doing? We're cordially removing the connection of work of you know working together but we're not using ego to attack the other person we're actually being very honest and right. loving but we're being boundary driven and saying hey i don't think i'm for you mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm i'm listening intently and intentionally and saying you know what like i think for what you're looking for and how you want to do this we may not be a fit and i've had to say that to, to people before mm-hmm. like i don't think we're a fit you know right. um and but that's also, that's love. And somebody asked me like, what do you mean it's love? Is it a rejection? I'm like, it's not rejection. Right. It's respect. Because I want whatever is more intended for them. You know, can you unconditionally right. remove the, the short-term want? Right. right, right. To honor their path, even if you're not meant to be a part of it anymore. Right, right. right? Exactly, exactly. I, I, I so agree with that. Sometimes... Love is, is, is the ability to say no. Yes. Not just the ability to say yes. Look, I'm, as I'm a parent of 10 children, as you mentioned before. Oof. Sometimes, out of love, I have to say no. If I were to say yes all the time, I would suffocate them with my love, mm-hmm. spoil them with my love, and ruin them with my love, with my yes love. So sometimes, love means no. Mm-hmm. And by setting those boundaries and that discipline then I'm loving them in the most effective way possible. I think it's true in every type of relationship. You know, the, the, there is a, a Jewish concept called Shua. It's a concept in the Jewish Mishnah, in the Jewish Talmud. But Shua is a man that does not know how to say no. Mm. Now, what's interesting is that I am not allo- allowed to ask for any favors from a person that does not know how to say no. You know why? Because he'll always say yes. Because he'll always say yes. And by him always saying yes, I'll be destroying him. Yes. Mm. So there is a form of love that is destructive. Therefore, love sometimes has to mean no. It gives it meaning. It gives it effectiveness. And at the same time, it ensures that it doesn't destroy, but rather does the opposite. It Mm -hmm. constructs, it builds relationships. It's so well put because even in today's time with all that's happening and sometimes the polarizing of all the people and I think sometimes people um, are forgetting this idea of the choice to be honest with themselves 
is what sometimes is at stake or the conversation that's being had, even though it's not being presented that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. And I think that that's where the, the part that people are missing, uh, like, well, you should this and you should that. And, and how how come you don't think about this and that? And I think that people forget that love is also a no. Right. I cannot tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I have my responsibility to myself to learn what I need to do or need to not do. And in doing that and showing up that way, and if you do that and you do that and you do that and you do that, we all do that. Now we're operating in a very different capacity. Me telling somebody else what they should do is a lack of confidence in the decisions that I am making mm-hmm. or in whatever it is, is that, that I am um, struggling with, even if it looks powerful and confident, right. it may not be. Right. 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 Yeah, that's correct. But that's the ultimate type of love. Look, I see it in the dating scene quite often mm. that people stay in relationships because they feel bad. They don't want to say no. But I think that the ultimate type of love is when I'm able to look at the other and because I love the other, I say to the other, look, staying with me will be destructive for you. I would love to stay with you. you you're fulfilling my every dream. On the other hand, I know that we're not supposed to be a match. There are things that just don't work out. So I have to say no. I have to say goodbye. I think that's a greater level, a higher level of love than staying with a person although you know that this is going nowhere and although you know that this may be destructive in the long run. Mm. If you truly love the person, sometimes you have to say goodbye. Sometimes say no. You know, uh, I've given advice like that before and that to me that is the ultimate demonstration of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Of course, I would love to be with you, but... um, if I am not for you, what, what is my responsibility and the role I'm playing in blocking what is? Right, right. And that actually hits at a much harder level because am I potentially blocking your blessings more than anything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether it be in a relationship or in, you know, or in business. And that's what I was saying. Even when like that business, like, who, like we may not be a fit. I mean, could we make it work? Absolutely. And will we right. argue the whole way? You know, because I, I, from a business, maybe I don't like, you know, the way you're behaving, whatever it might be, but right. you just absolutely have to have us doing the job, you know? Right. But yeah, but in relationship, you know, I, um, I, I've given that advice before of, you know, and, it, and it's something to really think about. Like, if I really love you, um, I have to also make sure I'm not blocking what is for you. Now, if I'm for you, that's incredible, you know? Right. Right. Um, and then in other areas, what, where might I might be careful of, um, how might I be always showing up and loving you so I'm not blocking other things for you in your path as me as your mate? And, you know what I'm saying? So, right. I, so I get that too. Right. For right. sure. Right. You right. know. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. Look, I, I, my beloved mentor, Rabbi Adin Evan Israel Steinsaltz, a blessed memory, would say that many relationships are based on what he called fish love which is conditional love, not unconditional love. And what did he mean by fish love? He would use the example of uh, this man who was all powerful and all rich, and he had servants fishing for him. And one day he sent his fishermen to go and fish this particular type of fish. Let's say it was a tuna. Tuna fished for him. He said to them, that's my favorite fish. I love that fish. 
please go and find it for me. And they went and they walked for hours and finally find a tuna fish in a massive ocean and they brought it back and they said to themselves, yes, the, the master's going to be so happy. He loves this fish. He loves this fish. He's going to love it. And the tuna is listening to the conversation and he's saying to himself, the tuna fish, saying to himself, well, I'm so happy. Their master loves me. I can't wait to get to him because if he truly loves me, he'll throw me back in the ocean. He won't let me die. <laughs> and they get to the kitchen of this master and they start having a conversation. How should they slice the tuna fish? So they call the master in and the master says, oh, thank you for getting me this fish. I love it. Slice it this way and that way. And then the fish says to himself, the master doesn't love me. He loves the pleasure that I bring him. Mm. So he loves himself. <laughs> and I think that many relationships have that fish love. I don't love the other really. I love the pleasure that the other brings me, whether it's emotional, whether it's sexual, whether it's, it's even intellectual. But I don't love the other. I love the pleasure that the other brings me. So I love myself. Sometimes if I truly love the other, I'm able to separate the self-pleasure I receive from the other and ask myself those important questions. Is my love, my relationship good for the other, not just for me? And sometimes we'll reach the conclusion that it's not good for the other. And that's when a no must come into play if I truly love. If I have this fish love, you won't be able to say no. And then you get to practice forgiveness. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> when the individual is not so <laughs> right. happy to hear that. Right. You know, um, uh, the book, The Alchemist, is one of my favorite books of yes. all time. Have you yes. read it? Yes, yes. yes. And... Um, Santiago is out there in the desert and, um, you know, he hasn't truly fully understood love yet because, you know, he's kind of identified love the way you are, fish love, if you will, because um, right. he, when he's a shepherd, he's constantly um, moving around and, you know, he's like, oh, maybe the girl will be there again this year. And if not, and if she's moved on, okay, you know, I'll, I'll you know, find another. So he's still not really sure on understanding love to the, the depths of what you're talking about. Right. He's out in the desert. And, you know, so anybody who hasn't read The Alchemist, first of all, go out and get the book immediately. But second of all, he's basically on search of a treasure. So he leaves behind. He's in search of his dreams. So he leaves behind um, all that he's ever done because the job doesn't really resonate with him anymore. And so he's on this massive journey that leads from one thing to the next to the next. And he ends up out in the middle of the desert. And lo and behold, he's in an oasis and he meets a woman that changes his life. And she's so good that he's thinking about... Um, throwing everything out the window. He's like, oh, wait a minute. This is my treasure. This is what was in the dream. This is the treasure. And it wasn't what was in the dream, but this is my mm -hmm. treasure. And he's talking to her. I think her name was Fatima or something like that in the mm -hmm. book. He says, Fatima, you know, I, you know you're my treasure. I, I don't want to keep going uh, on this journey uh, because I, I, you're it. And she says, I'm part of it. Right. And he says, I don't understand. And she said, if you stay here and you forgo what your mission is, what your purpose is. Um, you'll be happy for some time, but then you will become resentful because you will be missing something that is a part of your, your soul, your destiny. I am part of it, but I am not only it. Mm -hmm. You have to finish what you started. I'm so into your analogy. I'm throwing the fish. If I love the fish, I'm throwing it back into the sea. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but where will you be? She's like, I'll be right here waiting for you. Because I have, I have faith. I have um, unconditional love and faith. I'm mm -hmm. right here. Finish what you started. Right. 
And that was when we were saying, like, you know, if he really loved the fish, he would toss it back in the sea. Right. You know, right. and I think that that's the part that people don't realize, like what and to your other point about what is good for the what uh, is good for the other person. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think it's connected very much to forgiveness, because sometimes, as you were saying before, that person came into my life to hurt me, maybe. And we have to understand that that hurt is really a part of my life, a part of what I have to do. It's either from me, for me to learn from that hurt or maybe for the other person to learn from me being hurt, but it's a part of my life. And if I'm able to look at those challenges of life as lessons, as pieces of my puzzle, so to speak, then no doubt our lives can be so much more purposeful and meaningful you know I, I, I'll, I'll mention that it, it always puzzled me really always puzzled me why is it that God created sleep hmm. because <laughs> think about this we could be so much more productive without sleep <laughs> why did he make the body get tired and I think the answer is quite simple God created sleep so that we can reboot our system each and every day and see life anew in the morning hmm. You know, there's an interesting Jewish prayer that is recited just before we go to sleep during what we call the bedtime Shema. And it's a prayer in which we forego and forgive everything that happened that day. It's, it's truly a beautiful and very liberating prayer. And then we go to sleep and then we wake up in the morning and we are supposed to look at the day as if we were just born, mm -hmm. as if nothing happened in the past. That's why God created sleep. I believe so. Now, I, I think that that's the way we should view every single step in our life. There was something that happened. It led me to the level I'm at today. Now let me reboot the system and prepare myself for the next level. And then the next day, let me reboot the system and prepare myself yet for the next level. But if I'm always stuck on the same level because of resentment, toxicities, because I'm not able to learn those lessons, then... I'll never grow. And I, I love the rebooting because, uh, f uh, first of all, um, only every day or every hour? <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. No, but, uh, <laughs> That's but, right. Every but, minute. <laughs> every minute. Um, but um, back to, I think, what we were talking about earlier. And so in, then with forgiveness, if we're letting go, if we're forgiving at the end of the day, not just others, but ourselves, then we leave that moment in time to have a rebirth the next day taking forward the lessons to make better choices, not taking forward the resentment or the, the narratives or the things that we're hanging on to. Right, right, right. right and right. so we're allowed to be reborn every single day, mm -hmm. you know, and have a clean slate every right. single day, should right. we choose to, right. you know, right. um, which again, yet again, uh, requires the individual to, to make that very small but very impactful sacrifice of right. you know just uh, practicing some forgiveness every day. That, that's w right. W when people do the bedtime shema, or yeah. or just anybody in general, let's just you know for universal purposes, we have every culture listens here. Um, practicing some forgiveness at night. Mm -hmm. How much time do you think is is best to to, to just release at night, like uh, that forgiveness? Look, it depends on the nature <laughs> of the person, right? And it depends on the, the life of the person, too. Some people need quite a bit of time. And right. some people are naturally more inclined to forgive. So they'll need much less time. 
but I will say this, you know, you speak of, of practicing the act of forgiveness. I think we practice it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know when? Towards ourselves. Mm. We forgive ourselves all the time. No one is perfect. Right. But we're able to forgive our ourselves of our imperfections very quickly. But why don't we do that with others? Mm -hmm. If you do it with yourself, why can't you act like that towards others? Right. And that's, that's the perspective we ought to have, really. And I've also challenged people on the opposite, where you see some people who they are so loving and forgiving of their friends, but they're hardest on themselves. Hmm, and they right. carry their own stuff forward. You know, right. I, I, you know being a, a very driven individual, but now more so out of purpose of, you know, and right. I'm just showing myself more grace than ever, you know. Right. But previously being very hard on myself. Right. And it's funny because I, I, I once heard like, it's amazing you can treat others so well, mm -hmm. but yet you can be toughest on yourself. It's, it's true. It's you know? true. Sometimes it's vice versa and, mm -hmm. and people are very hard on themselves. And you know, Yom Kippur is coming up next week, which is the day of ultimate forgiveness. And it's a day in which we have to forgive three different sides of ourselves. There is the side of me versus me. I have to forgive myself. Mm. Then there's the side of me versus the other. I have to forgive the other. And then there's the side of me versus God. Sometimes I have to forgive God. People get angry at God and sometimes justif justifiably. Look, Holocaust survivors that came out angry at God, no one can blame them. Mm. No one. But sometimes we have to forgive him because we have to understand that we don't understand. And that in and of itself is so liberating hmm. understanding that we don't understand i know that which i don't know right <laughs> <laughs> right it's not the famous right but that's uh and it's so true and and um i've also come to terms with if the soul is here for a given amount of time that we do not know not a moment less not a moment more mm -hmm. but a given amount of time we cannot question the catalyst for which um, when that time is up and how it is initiated. And we, you know, so there is, I think some people were angry for when they see death happen, you know, even in their own family, you know. Uh, when my father passed, it was a very spiritual experience because I was thinking, oh, wow, like, you know, um, his time, you could feel the soul was tired. Mm -hmm. It felt like it months before. And I was like, Hmm. Is it a few years? It is a few months. I'm like, the soul is tired. It's like, he might be returning home. Hmm. And then um, in the week of, yeah, you start to feel the, uh, you know, the time dwindling down. And it was very interesting because doctors were very, um, God bless them, but, you know, were, were very, um, they didn't understand at a faith level. And they're like, listen, you know, we just need to pull the plug. This is what's going to happen. And we're like, well, you know, technically he's on a breathing machine. Like, you know, it's kind of tricky here. You know, we have to do the right thing mm -hmm. <laughs> and how we do this. And, um, and so, you know, we, we did the spiritual route, which is like, you know, well, once he's um, breathing on his own and however he'll pass, you know, and mm -hmm. so they put him in hospice and they said, well, you know, um, this could take months. This could do this. We're like, he'll be fine. Hmm. He'll be fine. Hmm. How do you know? How do you, you know, they were really struggling with how, we were so in our conviction and confidence and right. within three days he passed after hmm. that. And they said, how do you know? And I'm like, that is not a question you can find in your textbook. <laughs> right. Very Imagine well saying that to a doctor. I'm like, it's right. not a question. It's not an answer you can find in a textbook. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, so we're, we're, you know, I was like, be careful of how hard you take 
the job or how hard you you know forgive yourself sometimes for you know even if like you could save somebody you couldn't save somebody you know we're all tools here you know assisting right others not necessarily you know um the uh controller of right how things happen right you know there's a beautiful image back to the jewish text in the midrash that speaks of how when we are born our hands are are uh, are like fists we, we bring our fingers inwards while when we die our fingers are flexed they're outwards our hands are wide open mm. why is that that is because when we are born, we think that we can conquer it all. We can take it all. Let's bring it in. <laughs> Yet when we die, we realize, gosh, we were never really in control. <laughs> no. We got to let go. Right. And it's so true. Sometimes it takes a whole lifetime to understand that we really are not in control. And we should have let go a long time ago. Do you get a lot of people who, who struggle with that? I mean, I think anybody can struggle with letting go. I, I st- obviously still have my moments. I'm way better now at surrendering than years and years ago. Um, but, you know, it, there's moments of, um, again, back to I think the if, if I'm making the best possible intuitive, soulful that choices that align with my soul. Hmm. Right. Then the re- which leads us right into faith which leads us right into surrendering like then everything that is for me and part of this mission will unfold accordingly or i can make it trivial (laughs) right 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 Right? no you're right absolutely you know there's uh, (laughs) which i i I have made it trivial by the way (laughs) no (laughs) no but it's it's well said i mean it's understanding that even the mistakes are, are are part of our journey even our imperfections are perfections yeah um, I love imperfections. <laughs> I really do. Oh, I, you know, right. I, I love them. Not, uh, sorry to interrupt. I just, I, I love imperfections because right. well, isn't it, it allows us to see so much more of ourselves. Right. Right. Absolutely. There's a great line that say, that says that don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big God is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you do that, then you realize that really your problems are part of your story. Yeah. And they are those brushes of the paint that may have gone off off road, off way, but they make the painting so much more beautiful. Yeah. I just have to remind myself every now and then to put down the paintbrush. <laughs> like, let me not make this problem bigger. You know what? You know Sometimes that's what you have to do. That's right. <laughs> I'm like, am I helping this move further off? The canvas, or <laughs> that's all right. Listen, Picasso didn't let go of the paintbrush. <laughs> I, w- but. I was asked with some really great questions the uh, the other day um, yeah. from a kid I, I mentor uh, who's in yeshiva. Mm. Um, he's really, and we have these great talks. He's like, "Where does it come from for you? If you didn't study this, I'm like, God." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's right. another. Right. another any, and um, and it was really interesting. Uh, and I actually put this in this week's um, Substack that um uh was um uh, was just i only posed three of the questions and I'm, I'm trying to pull them up real quick but it was so good it was this idea of um um are we and it kind of back to the whole no thing are we stealing time from god hmm. and it's this idea of um 
Wait, hang on, I'm, I'm pulling them up. I'm pulling them up. They sure. were they were in a uh, a text chain, and as you can imagine, those go those can go deep sometimes. All right. Um, and uh, let's see here. Um, but it was this idea of of how we're we're using our time, and are we stealing that time from God in order mm-hmm. to give? Um, you know, who says you have any time to like? to give sort of back to the no, right? right. And how you use the no. And, and, and so, right. Uh, you know, the, as, as you're searching for your text, mm-hmm. uh, there are many expressions that I, I strongly dislike, especially in the English language. One of them is, uh, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, or it said differently. I'm so sorry. I took so much of your time. Mm. It's not my time to begin with. There it is. There it's it is. not my time to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. I was put in this moment. And God gave me this time. Some people are not given that time. Mm-hmm. So why are you thanking me? Thank God. Right. Right. Okay. So I, I found them. Right. Question one: What are the things that I should have worked on more that I should have done better? Question two: What are the things that I spent too much time focusing on that came at the expense of stealing time from God? Hmm. Hmm. And sometimes, people, yeah, and it's not in a religious uh, context. Uh, it's of you are here for a certain amount of time. Who says you had um, like all this extra to give away of your own that should be spent on the things that you're here to do in your mission? Mm. You know, mm. who is bringing me closer to the reason why I'm here? Who is bringing me further away? Who are the wrong people in my life and who are the right people in my life? What am I doing that is distancing me from, from God, you know, from my mission? What do I need to work on in order to perfect myself and be better at whatever it is that I think my purpose is? What do I need to do less of that is only holding me back? What do I do? Uh, what do I know is hard to let go mm-hmm. of and know I'm better than and I need to get rid of, which was back to the question of am I stealing my time away? Hmm. Uh, and if you're stealing time away from yourself, are you stealing time away from God? Who says you have it to give away? Right. These are great questions. Yeah. Great question. So, so those came up and I, uh, right. you know, right. I thought it was just uh, so fitting. And then, uh, right. and then of course he, he strikes, you know, here back with some even, uh, you know, um, uh, why am I worth being invested in and, uh, what is holding me back from being my greatest self and reaching my, uh, my utmost potential? Um, you know, why have I been given these last, so in my case, you know, these last 40, you know, two years of my life, 360 times, 365 days a year. What is it that, um, you know, is seen in me that I don't even see, right? What is it God sees in me that I don't even see? And who is holding me back from my relationship with myself and right. with God, you know? Um, and what is my game plan based off of above, you know? Hmm. So I was like, oof, you know. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, heavy, some deep stuff but, for the listeners. Deep, yeah. <laughs> heavy but deep. You know, yeah. speaking of deep, I'll, I'll uh, quote yet another Jewish teaching, but uh, it comes from the ethics of our fathers that says mm-hmm. that a person should return to his true self. Yes. I like that expression much better than repent. Right. Uh, but really return to your true self the day before he or she dies. Now the sages ask, well, no one knows when they'll die, but that's the point. <laughs> I have to live today as if it was my last day. Now think about this in the most simplistic terms. If today is indeed my last day and I'm driving down the street and someone cuts me, if it's my last day, I won't even react to that person. Right. I have more important things to do. I have, I have a purpose to fulfill. Speaking of stealing time, as you were saying, I think we have to start thinking about time as if it's not ours. Exactly. It's given to us. Mm-hmm. Today might not be there. 
So use it wisely. Use it purposefully. Thus, it brings it home back to forgiveness. Because then um, we're not holding on to anything longer for the moment in time. Right. 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 Absolutely. That's correct. And, and, and using that time to fill it with toxicity mm-hmm. and with ego and with negativity is contaminating time. Mm-hmm rather than truly actualizing it in the best of ways. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I know people are always told, you know, well, live like today is your last. And I feel like a lot of times people say, oh, but, it, but it's not. I'm like, you really don't know. You really don't know. So you have to live like you don't know. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we only know what we don't know going back. Which goes back to that. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, we've hopefully mind-bended you guys completely <laughs> throughout the whole conversation. We're at an hour. This was, uh, was amazing. Where, um, where can people uh, find, you know, find your writings and, and you know, connect with you? Well, uh, thank you. Know, you. Online? Yeah. Sure. So I have a weekly blog on mm-hmm. org. Mm-hmm. R-A-B-B-I-A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E dot org. And then on Facebook, Instagram, and you know, all the fun stuff on social social media. Everybody, go Google this guy. You see no. what I mean? You see what I mean? He's very humble, by the way. But but um, but go, Google Matt, <laughs> and then you can Google me. He's more more interesting. Uh, uh, well, humbling. Thank you. Thank um, you. So, uh, and I I really appreciate you coming on. And this was a, such a great uh, topic and such a great time of um, the year to be discussing this. But also to the point of. But every day, it's a good topic to be discussed. That's right. Because forgiveness is the ultimate um, healing. That's correct. <laughs> you know? That's correct. So. You know, I'll point out one last thing. But the word for forgiveness in Hebrew, mechila, is the same word as the word for dancing. Huh. Once you learn to forgive, then you can dance at the rhythm of life. Wow. It's so true. So you get to live a life. Right. You know? Right. So, uh, right. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna follow up with that. I think we've <laughs> no. we've, we've, we've done enough. That was incredible. Uh, so for everybody that's listening, Rabbi Pinchas Alush, um, you can go to rabbialush.org, R A B B I A L L O U C H E dot org. He's got a weekly blog, um, and you'll find him on you know on all you know social and whatnot. But um, really great universal wisdom. So you know culturally, it does not matter what culture you come from. It's very helpful as a whole of. Um, how we think about our relationship with ourselves um, and our relationship with God, our relationship with uh, others, you know, our relationship, our character in general, back to the beginning of the conversation, our character in general, right? And having a better um, understanding of the choices that we're making. So I appreciate you guys each and every week for tuning in. Um, You know, as always, please feel free to reach out. You know, I love the feedback. I love, um, you know, the the fact that you guys continue to tune in and, and we're growing as a community. Uh, we just surpassed things like 6.2 million downloads or something like that. So somewhere around there, I just, I love you guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, so for my amazing guest who will probably have come back on again, we'll, we'll have to do like an every six month, uh, <laughs> Got well, it. Uh, well, you know, some of my guests, they come on, only one or two have actually come on three times. So, um, okay. so I, I'd like to, you know, see if we can push that for the third and the fourth and, you know, keep it. It'll <laughs> be my pleasure. Thank you, man. Uh, so for my amazing guest, Rabbi Elush, and for myself, Matt Gottesman, uh, and for the hustle sold separately, appreciate you guys. We're out.